So we're here today with a blast from the past, Daryl Cecilio. Daryl, how do you spell your name? Can you tell us that? Because you know, and where did that derive from? Juan, what's <laughs> up, my brother? Uh, Daryl Scipio, D A R R Y L Scipio, S C I P I O. It's actually Italian, but I'm not Italian at all. I'm, I'm, I'm from the Caribbean. Uh, I'm Grenadian. Oh, and uh, the same thing that happened in uh, in the United States happened in Grenada. You know, they they dropped off slaves from Africa, and the slave masters would would name their slaves after like famous characters and in, in history. And uh, somehow, my family got the name Scipio, which is a, a, a general in the in, a, in the Roman army. And Scipio the Elder was a general, and he lost to Hannibal, and, and allowed Hannibal to take over much of Africa. So then, Scipio the Junior, his son, always wanted to avenge his father's losses, his father's death at the hands of Hannibal. And actually um, went back to Africa and fought fought against Hannibal, and he was successful against Hannibal. So um, he, after that, he became uh, a senator in, in Caesar's Senate during the Roman times. And um, I learned about him when I was fourteen because my history professor in high school was like, "You have a very famous name. Do you know anything about your name?" And I was like, "What?" No, I just you know I just know that I don't know nobody else who is, <laughs> and everything I know. And people thought I was Italian. I said, oh yeah, well, you know. So then I started doing some research on that. But uh, yeah, man, you know, when I fill out job interviews, I just you know I can always get a call back, and then when they see me, I'll be like, ha ha, got you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny that you said that because the only thing I knew about my last name was that it means little in Latin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Both Vaughn and Lori. And then, um, of course, one of my social studies teachers, Mr. Martin, he was like, he knew that my grandfather was Martin Luther King's, you know, uh, partner when it came to the civil rights movement. So, and I was like, he told the whole class, and I was like, please don't, please don't. But it was so interesting because the whole class, instead of them, like, you know, just, you know, instead of them, I guess. You know, like kids, you, you just kind of scared. You want to tell people who, who somebody is in your family. Um, for a myriad of reasons, one of which, you know, just, you know, there's taunting involved or it could be some teasing or somebody might just think you think you all that because you're, yeah, it's just, it's kind of cool because to know your, to know your past, to know your future, you know, if you don't know where you used to be or who you used to be or where you came from or where you're descendants of, that's very, that's very important for a lot of young people. And I feel like in our schools, we didn't learn a lot about ourselves as human beings. So let alone black people, I, I feel like we had one chapter every February. For the month of February, so uh, yeah, that's great. Thank you, bro. Yeah, kids could be cruel, man. You know, kids could be cruel, so it's understandable. But you definitely have something to be proud of. You know, when I, I remember when I was watching Obama's uh, inauguration, and, I, and, and your grandfather got up there and gave this amazing poem. Um, I was like, yeah, that's one thing, grandfather, right there. <laughs> like when he said, "When black can be get down, and brown gonna sit." So oh, I was yeah. like, go ahead, Randy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody loved it, man. Yeah, he was good. He was great. So we, we actually included that in this uh, NFT VIP news release um, that we used on an in-house website. We're going to use again for the Roundup Price and to be our new uh, newswire and everybody else. But um, what's so great about this particular 
NFT NYC is that um, in the past, I mean, uh, event, it's been a little stuffy, you know, but now they have this NFT VIP, which is where we're at right now, which is the inaugural commencement ceremonial two days thing that bleeds into the, um, the other six, five, other four to six days. So when I told you about it, um, I was very interested to see. But what brought you down besides me telling you about it? Oh, man. And thank you for telling me about it. You know, uh, this is the space uh, that I want to get much more deeply in, you know, because I see it like the future. Uh, I, when I think about the Internet, you know, in 1993 and 1994, you know, this is what I see with regards to, to NFTs and DAOs and, and blockchain and crypto. so much um, so much opportunity in the space you know opportunities for great things uh, and opportunities for crazy things as we've seen also you know so you know i want to be at the forefront of it and be a thought leader in it and be a resource to people that want to get in it so that they can get the best benefit uh, from it you know um yeah like I'm, i've always been a little tech geek you know i built my first website in 1994 and it had a spinning globe on it i was like yo this is the best thing i've ever he's like you just bomb huh yo <laughs> i think I, I think that me too I, um, for me i had i think i used net soul network solutions they have this little platform yes. called image cafe which you can actually build these one-page websites it was very very easy to use and then i started learning little codes and finding codes on the internet to like, you know, add spinning globes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Add so, GIF files and then MySpace came around and fast forward to Web3, which is where we are right now, which is right. these algorithms controlling themselves, computers controlling computers. So we're in the third aspect of that. But tell us about your um, knowing each other. Me and Daryl have a past of us being interns at Vibe Magazine. And one thing I love about Vibe is they still follow me on Twitter. Instagram and all our socials, even 360 Magazine, which is so dope um, that some of the crew at Vibe, shout out to Vibe Magazine for still doing that. Um, that's, that was an interesting journey, City the least, seeing Quincy Jones with his daughters running around the office. I want you know, where was that office located? At 20-something? Yeah, 19? 19th on the east side, maybe like 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 3rd Avenue. Yeah, yeah. Um, somewhere around there. Yeah. And it was so interesting because Daryl Sissipio, Oh, Scipio, what's the best way to do it? Scipio. 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 Okay. <laughs> and Rakia Mays, formerly the WBLS. She might be back on there. I don't know. She has the band curse, a book you can get on Amazon. She, her, um, her, myself, and Daryl were interns. And we would we, we, we want everybody to know we're the three musketeers. You know, when Time <laughs> Inc. was popping off, they asked me, you know, we wanted I know I want a scholarship with them or something to get this. It was a lot of money per hour. I was like, okay, we're making like fifteen something dollars an hour in nineteen around that time. Two thousand, that was a lot of money. It so, really was. Yeah. So we were college students and we saw people walk through the doors and we went to these amazing events with Carla. She was this oh, I forgot her last Carla name. Carla Radford. Yeah, Carla Radford. Mm -hmm. And then Keith Clint Scales was the publisher at the time. Yeah, yeah. Before Keith was another um I guess he was like a rock and roll style kind of steam looking guy from London, a British based publicist, a publisher rather. 
And then, and then he was replaced not too short, shortly after by Keith Flintfield. But it was a great time because we got to meet and hang out with like Lauren Hill and like being in the same area with like the Brad. And like, I think at one point I had the first little sip of drinks at one of the parties. Y'all can't get me now. <laughs> <laughs> but the Brad and, and Mariah Carey, they were hanging out. And I was like, this is crazy. Then fast, fast forward, you know, you sitting in the same space with those people, you know, and, and it's just a really cool opportunity. But what's great is, is that I went to entertainment after going to Cornell, and then Daryl, you went to, tell them about your, your educational background. Oh, sure. So I was at uh, Rutgers University in, uh, in New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, when we got the Vibe internship. So when I would come, and I was living in uh, East Orange, New Jersey, so I would, I would uh, commute into New York every day with, with you know, me and Vaughn and Rakia and, and Shavar and Dave and, you know, the other interns. Um, we, would, we would go to buy a magazine and, and work. And uh, it was a great summer. We partied up so much. You know, I, I remember um, Prince being at one of those parties. Oh, yeah, be sure. Um, and, you know, we were, we, you know, when Vibe through a party, the industry came out and we were always invited um, to, to all the industry parties. Kim Ford, who worked uh, with us, she's she's in Newark. She, she actually worked uh, at Vibe. And now she runs her own uh, PR and marketing company. And, uh, oh, yeah, where's Kim? Yeah, she's a real. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to reach out to Kim. Yeah, she, just, she, she just sent me an email yesterday uh, for uh, the Lincoln Park Music Festival, and, oh, wow. uh, which is a great event. I still remember Kim's face. Yeah, you should come. You should come to Newark for that. Uh, oh, yeah, when Lincoln, is that going to be? The Lincoln Park Music Festival. Later on in the summer, I got to get you the exact dates. Uh, but it's a three-day music festival. It's like Gospel Monday, um, House Monday, and Hip Hop Monday, and it's vendors and food. It's a family event, man, um, and, it's, and it's great. And she, she, you know, produces that along with the you know, on behalf of Wicked Park, Shawnee Saxon. I don't remember her. Oh yeah, yeah. She's out in Jersey. I run into her at Whole Foods, <laughs> you know, in West Orange. Amazon Foods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, you know, I, I was at Rutgers, and then from Rutgers, I went, I got, I went to the dot com business, and you know, I was, I was writing code, uh, and then started doing project management. Uh, I was at Black Planet, I was at CNN, um, so I was working for some pretty big companies, uh, and then I left that to go to law school. Uh, I did that for about eight years, um, working at startups, and, and uh, a lot of these places ain't around no more. Urban box office, video, that was a big one. Oh, yeah. You know, um, She Say, there's another big one that ain't around. Like, so many of these these startup web properties are just so very similar to what I see now, you Mm -hmm. know, um, with NFTs and crypto. And, you know, it's, and so what happened back then was that, you know, the market was saturated and uh, it shook out really only the, the the, biz, the, the companies that had a strong business sense were the ones that maintained, right? Because, because you could go to a, a company party and, you, and they spent a million dollars. They spent a million dollars on the party. party. Meanwhile, you know, you got they don't have no administration. Right. You got a hundred employees <laughs> and, and you hire people. You know, they, HR. They don't know how to use email. You know? Right. So, they didn't have to do that one day. like, people was just burning money fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those companies ain't around. But, they feel uh, like shell companies. Right. 
ways for you to just finagle money. Right. Almost like a modeling agency. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know more about that than I do. Because you, just... you know, those, those worlds are still very interesting because, you know, the federal government doesn't know what they do. You know, they still don't know what they do. Sometimes some of us don't know what they do. And they've had so many class action suits for, you know, just things they weren't supposed to be doing, like charging people for color copies, $10 for a color copy, or $40 to message your book, but you're using one messenger and you're putting 20 books in one messenger and hazeling. You're only paying 40 bucks, but you're charging every model $40. So those are kind of things. And then charging us to be on their website, again, like this dot com. So it's just like, it was just, you know, that's an interesting world. But what I've noticed in this space is that I'm always being some little cute white girl or some little cool little Asian guy who's like 19 years old, I'm saving names. And they're always coming out of uh, Silicon, Silicon, whatever you want to call it, Valley, and, uh, you know, Los Altos area, Palos Altos, whatever. Um, and they, they, they and, and they, 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 they just, they're more or less spokespeople. They're like little, I guess, peons, so to speak, or caricatures um, that bounce around. And they, uh, it's just very interesting because they know what they're talking about, but then they, they, you, you know, something's not right. Um, you hang out with them at a convention or a conference, and they kind of get close to you because they want to get your assets or your information or your list of people you know. And they try to use you and use that information to try to better their brand or just to make it like they're doing something. So um, I noticed that, I, I, you know, for the last two decades, with dot coms is that, and, and now NFTs, even NFTs are, are they're kind of mimicking that same, you know, song and dance. Of course, cryptos do it as well all the time. All the blockchains do a bigger party. You know, Ice Sculptor, you know, some vodka I never heard of. Um, and then they disappear. Why do you think that is? Because they don't have a business model that's sustainable. They're, they're, they're building the plane while they've taken off from the runway. And so when you do that, you know, and Amazon.com did that, right? Why? But, you know, they had a business model that that made sense. I mean, Jeff Bezos actually had a business plan and you know, he had investors and people that he was accountable to. And, you know, he built the business, he built the company on, you know, on strong fundamentals, providing really good customer service, being really fast and, you know, always being available. And, you know, when you focus on the flash and not on you know, sound business principles, only so long that you can last. Um, and to me, like, you know, that's the reason why I think these places are, you know, kind of fly by night, come and go situations. Um, because the, the business fundamentals are not there and the long term planning ain't there. You know, Jeff Bezos knew that Amazon was only starting with books. Me, just thinking about it, I was like, well, how are you going to make money from a books? online bookstore when I could just go to Barnes and Noble. But I didn't plan that out. You know, I just I was a consumer. But you know, him as someone that was actually created, he planned it out you know, for 10 years. So he knew that book it was just gonna start with books and then it was gonna add more products. Um, so now, you know, when you if you put your if you make a product and put it on Amazon, you'll eat for about a year and then next thing you know Amazon has a product just like yours <laughs> that they're selling for ten dollars less and they're promoting it you know so you're done you know um it's very it's, it's, it's very interesting i mean uh, you know 
Amazon and Google are taking over the world. And there's really nothing we can do about it. Um, except get into new technologies and you know build strong businesses. Because it's inevitable that um, you know NFTs are gonna be able to be traded as currency. And all these new things that we think about, it's it's happening, it's gonna happen for sure. Yeah, and I tell people I don't know a lot about the I don't know a lot about the space either, but I just, I, you know, as a, a person working in the field of media, I don't really like that word journalist, but I do like the journal, and I'm not, I don't consider myself to do that. <clears throat> it is what it is. So anyway, uh, what I what I what I tend to do is I just, you know, I go, and I ask questions. I'm very investigative, investigative, and I'm very curious in nature. But at the same time, for me, I just go to these conferences, and I ask people questions. And if I can't do something, and you know. Really, this space is not as difficult as you think it is. Really, an NFT, a non-fungible token, is just really a, a certifiable, unique, digital identifier. You can say you know, say those four words, three words, any kind of way you want to say it, the same shit. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, it's like an ISBN number, but it's unique to that one particular service or product, tangible, non-tangible. So people don't understand that, but it's just not that deep. And then Solana blockchain, what I'm noticing is... It's like, you know, it's different. It's a different world than OpenSea. OpenSea is like a big first and largest marketplace. And we have NFTs in that uh, market, little cute little cats called Animal Series. And, you know, they're really like emotional support animals that we kind of like leaned on. Mm. So today we're going to give you one of those as a token of our appreciation for talking with us. Um, not the actual uh, NFT, but the hat. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that's that's a lot of appreciation, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, it's it's like it's like four of them. We launched like I think we launched the fifth one. Gamey hat, gamey, okay. gamey, he's okay, he's cute. Right. So your kids like it, but yeah, um, yeah, my kids don't be trading it. Like, <laughs> I know for sure. You know, yeah, you know it's old now, um, and like you know, it's pretty much guaranteed. So I, I do own it. Uh, uh, I own an NFT. Um, it's called High Society. Um, and it's traded on the Solana blockchain. And it was traded on Magic Eden, which is a, a Solana blockchain trading site, which is, you know, similar to OpenSea. OpenSea is Ethereum. Magic, right. Magic Eden is, is Solana, right? They're all right, backed by a crypto. Um, so now, you know, I mean, now's a great time to, to buy crypto because it's really low. It's, it's not going on. And it's about us having legacy income, legacy legacy revenue rep for, for your company and also you know legacy everything for your children because it's like when we're long gone these little podcasts you know which will probably be an nft <laughs> um it'll you know it'll, it'll, it'll you know even if my son doesn't want to do this work in this space he'll have he'll have some sort of uh, he'll have access to it or have royalties from it. and speaking of royalties with solana can you explain in your own words, what does all that Wolsey stuff mean on Solana blockchain? Because I've been, you know, we did this week, like I said before, we just did a 6,000 plus Sorosi crystal, authentic Sorosi crystals. You know, it's already been appraised of like $6,000 for the bottle to be encrusted. And we're going to give a part of it to, to a company, you know, for, of, you know, partial proceeds, but I to a charity. But I'm just trying to think, like, it says something like royalty. So I was like, well, you know, it took 24 hours plus my time, in, you know, my time, I didn't decorate the battle, but there were four other artisans that did. Um, and, you know, just I had to, 
you know, 360 had to purchase the materials, we used one of our etched bottles, all this stuff. It was a lot of back and forth, a lot of my time. I came up with the concept of this blue lagoon. So it's like, it looks like water when you see, you can't even take a picture of it. So, so people were having yesterday, it was around, it was just, I was like, let me take this back because it's making me uncomfortable because, you know, I wanted to, I don't want to break it. But, um, you can't even take a picture of it. But I noticed that when they were, when one of our colleagues, or I guess you want to call them, Confidants, because I don't know how to do all this this minting sometimes, and it's not that difficult, y'all. It really isn't. But for me, the simplest things I can't like I cannot work at McDonald's, like I, <laughs> not because I don't want to. I just don't understand a P1 system. <laughs> like <laughs> you can probably ask me how to how to do a blueprint, and within 24 hours, I can probably draw a blue a blueprint to skip. But in terms of like little simple shit, like doing a missing in forging NFT, no, I cannot. And I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes Coinbase is the reason why I can't do it on OpenSea because it breaks. But that, that's another conversation. But for you, can you explain? Because you, you know, we came from the record industry, so to speak. You know, we have a little entanglement with that world. What is all this? Um, can you break that down to us, the royalties? Well, yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, you kind of already broke it down. When you own something and you sell it, um, and you can sell it more than once, and you can get a royalty, and that a royalty just means a payment, um, some percentage of the cost of that item once it gets sold over and over again. So it's like a book. If you write a book, the book is going to be sold for ten dollars, and every time that book is sold for ten dollars, then you get one dollar and that one dollar is your royalty payment so you know if you sell a million books and you make a million dollars now your publisher's gonna make 10 million right you know but you're gonna make a million and that and that those are royalty payments you know you see it in music in books anything created now from, uh, the nfts gets a royalty payment every time that NFT is sold and resold. So, you know, that NFT, and it's written into the smart contract. So when that NFT is sold, it's sold through a smart contract. And when... Uh, and the smart contract is built into the minting process, correct? Correct. It's built into the minting process and it's, it's written into the uh, into the NFT. Uh, and that's how it's sold. It's sold through the, through, through the contract. So the this contract will say, you know, how much of a royalty the owner gets, how long that owner will get the royalty, uh, and whether the royalty changes over time. Like, you know, maybe he'll get 10% for the first time, the first hundred times it's sold, and then 5% for the next hundred times, and then 1% for the next hundred times, you know. And so it's really wide open where the owner can set any type of royalty structure that they want. In the smart contract, and the, the subsequent buyers um, will, uh, you know, just keep buying from, from new sellers and keep buying and keep buying. And every time they buy, the royalty um, is factored into the, the payment that they pay, and it automatically goes to the owner if that smart contract is written correctly. Um, so, and from what you've seen, the smart contract, do you feel is written correctly? Some of them, um, and you know, 
they're written correctly if they accomplish their goal. And uh, but you know they're, they're they're contracts that are written in like computer code. You know? um, so they're you know, <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of wild. Like, the yeah. algorithm talking yeah, exactly. It's like, so is there is there, is there an algorithm lawyer and an algorithm judge? <laughs> well, I had to learn that language. You know, like in the Matrix when Neo was just looking zero at, one. Yeah, he was just looking at green codes. <laughs> he was like, oh yeah, I see him right there. I had to learn that. And uh, it was hard. <laughs> wow, you feel like you learned that for real? I learned it for real. Like, now I just kind of see like Neo. But, no, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, but that's what, you know, the, the NFT, the smart contracts, they're, they're, they're in. So what do you say for people that give people, um, like myself, the mint? Like, is that okay? Somebody's making for you? Because sometimes people will mint, they'll charge you a small fee or something. Sometimes people charge you a large fee. I don't know. I would say you got to have somebody that looks at the code that knows that. There's somebody that's in your, working in your interest that knows that, you know, the, the person that's minting for you, they're not, they didn't write something in there so that they get, you know, a dollar every time it's sold also, you know, because you won't know if you don't look at the smart contract. Um, so you're giving over a lot of power to somebody that's doing that for you. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of economic power because they could take all the money um, and say, oh, well, nobody bought it, you know, and you know people bought it, you know, but it, so the money should just automatically come to you once it's purchased. Like these smart contracts should, you know, schedule the payments to, to come out immediately. Um, so you know, always have your, your smart contract audited. Um, that way, you know for sure you have a second set of eyes looking at it, saying, "Okay, this is what this says," you know, in layman's terms, in regular terms. And what's the best way, easiest way to do that on the Solana blockchain? Because that blockchain is a lot more. I think it's a lot more uh, intricate. Like I use a Phantom wallet. Um, which wallet do you use, by the way? I use Phantom on Solana. Yeah. And I use um, Coinbase. MetaMask. On yeah, MetaMask. Ethereum. Yeah, I use MetaMask and Coinbase too. I have all these wallets. I don't even know where they are. Everybody's, everybody's, everybody's gonna kill me. I would say, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would definitely say get a get a cold wallet that it's it, it looks just like your phone, and you know you plug it into your computer, take all your assets, you put them onto the cold wallet, and unplug the cold wallet wallet, and you put it in a drawer somewhere. Make sure you know the password to your cold wallet because <laughs> there's no way to to recover mm-hmm. your password on a cold wallet. I got Bitcoin on a cold wallet, and I think I know where the password is. And I'm like, damn, you know, this is crazy that I have. What's your favorite cold wallets that you think are the best ones that have the maximum space? Probably Trezor, um, Nano. I would say those two companies uh, are are the best. You know, I googled it, just did some research, and you know, after doing that, I, I you know I cho- I made a choice. So basically, when you already so when you, when a person basically um, when they uh, I guess when they when, if you have somebody mint something for you and then they send it so if they send it to you and you collect them is there is they sent it to you, does that mean that you own it now? Yeah. Okay. So does it matter if they if they um, minted it for you, but they still gonna put some kind of they, they could have put something inside of there. They could have, you know. So it's always good to look at the smart contract and ask them, what does this mean? What does that mean? What's this line of code right here mean? And, 
and ask them what it means. And then, can you get a hold of the smart contracts after you uh, mentioned something? Absolutely. Yeah, they should be able to to show it to you. If they did it for you, yeah, they they should be able to show you exactly what's happening and when and how and why and everything. They should be able to explain it like they're explaining cat in the hat to a first grade. What if this is a friend or a friend of a friend? Because you know, a lot of us are using friends of friends of a friend. Hopefully, they're not an asshole. <laughs> and that, and um, hopefully they're good at explaining. And then, what are your what are you, what is your take on the royalty scheme scheme that they use? Because the schematic is like, I guess I guess you do anything up to forty percent for royalties. That's great. You know, you get forty percent on every sale. Um, normally, it's you know it, the, the percentages drop down per tier. So the first buyer, you'll get forty from them. Second buyer, you'll get 20 from them. The third buyer, you'll get 10. The fourth buyer, you'll get five. It'll, you know, it'll just keep going down there. Generally. Because, um, you know, you got to leave some meat on the bones for all the other people, all the other sellers. Because every seller, the way the smart contracts should be written is every seller gets something. Mm-hmm. The original. Like some are written where the only the original person gets something. Some are written so that every seller gets something. It's really it's wide open. You know, it's just like writing a contract from scratch. Like, what do you want to be in that contract? That's what's going to be in it. And that's how that goes. So, what do you what do you think about the um, the IP world and how it can, you know, with intellectual properties? Because, uh, you know, you, I've worked with you on some stuff for trademark. And, you know, we understand the value of a trademark, but there's also some, there's pros and cons. But uh, at the same time, it's like, uh, can you explain to people how you feel about some of these NFTs, particularly some of the ones that are tangible or non or what? Do you feel like some of them should have trademarks? That's a good question. I do think that they should have trademarks. You know, the trademark is just um, a way to protect your ownership legally. So anything that has value should have some. The owner of it should have some protection. Um, so if it, you know, so it makes sense to to add a, add another layer of protection to your to what you own. Because, you know, we're stopping somebody from, you know, just copying and pasting a picture and saying, all right, I'm the owner of this, you know. Well, when you can show them that trademark, uh, then it's undeniable who owns it. And on top of that, you know, it should be written into the smart contract who owns it. Um, so it's another level, another layer of protection, which I think um, should be... Um, used for anybody especially in this stage of the game because it's still the wild wild west out here you know um and there's people making a lot of money on nfts like when i was when i was driving into this conference from new jersey there was a lamborghini next to me coming into the lincoln tunnel i was like yo this dude had a lamborghini he's looked young he had a beard t-shirt hat to the back i saw his license plate his license plate said buy nfts b-u-y nfts and i was like License plate is buying a tease, and he just drove past me in a Lamborghini. I need to talk to this dude, you know? Like, what are you doing? Like, because 
clearly I'm doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Well, clearly you're not because you have <laughs> God bless you with a set of twins, a twins, oh, exactly. and yes, a boy and a girl. Oh, yes. And he was telling me how his twins are. Girl, for stopping by. Hey, thank you for having.